you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. We're glad you're here today in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to read four verses this morning, beginning with verse number three from Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse three. It's speaking of Jesus here, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Many shall come in my name and say that they are Christ and deceive many. Many will deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. See that you be not troubled. In the middle of all the signs of the end time that are coming, see that you be not troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. With the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to read some more scripture to you here in a little bit, but I want to just stop here with my reading and introduce my subject matter to you this morning. Be not troubled. Be not troubled. Lord, help us today to not be troubled. Help us this morning to let this word open our hearts and open our minds and open our understanding to where we are in society and the world and the great timetable of your word and your divine plan for the world. 
Let us not be troubled because of what men say. Let us, Lord, put our focus on you. Help us today, O oh Lord, to recognize that you are the answer. And we lean on you and lean not to our own understanding. We trust in you and not in others. We rest our confidence in you. For you, Lord, are the anchor of our soul, both steadfast and sure and unmovable and unchangeable. Speak to our hearts this morning through your word. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated today. Here in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about signs of his second coming. He was questioned by his disciples. They came to him privately because they didn't want to put him on the spot publicly, perhaps, and, and they asked him, listen, we need inside track into these things that are being said. We want to know more than the rest of the world. We, we, we want to question where we are in the great timetable of your second coming. What is it going to be like in the last days? What is the end of the world going to look like? I don't preach a lot about end time. I don't preach a lot about the end of the world. I, I, don't, I don't deal. The book of Revelation is not foreign to me by any means, but I understand it's left to interpretation. And I understand that uh, Daniel also deals a lot with what's going to happen toward the end time. And, and I don't ignore those, uh, but I feel that I'm better to keep my focus on subject matters that are more direct and less interpretive by man's ideology of what things are going to look like. So if I would have been one of the 12 that day that would have come to Jesus, perhaps I would have been sitting closer to him than anyone else because I too would have tuned my ear to what he was about to say. When the question is asked, what will the end of the world look like? What will end times look like? How shall we know? What will be the signs? What, what can we, what events surrounding the end times should we expect? Certainly, the events surrounding the end time for you and I, for those of us who have spent a little time in the Word and reading and spending less time, of course, watching movies predicting the end time and more time studying the Word regarding end time prophecy and seeing what the end of the world may look like. Uh, for, even for the greatest believer and one of great faith, uh, we must give pause for maybe at least a little worry and concern. Uh, it, it, is, it can be completely frightening, quite honestly, to read what the end time will look like. Uh, the abomination of desolation and the great tribulation. These are not things that are a joy to read through. They, I would rather read about the promises of what God is going to do for us. Rather than look, like, look at the trial and trouble that we're going to have to endure in the end time. And while the promises of God are yea and amen and true, so will the prophecies of God be fulfilled in the last day. 
And so we must understand this. And Matthew chapter 24, our text that I read, I stopped at verse 6, but I want to pick up at verse 7 for Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he tells them that wars and rumors of wars, but don't be troubled, he tells them, for these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, he tells them, because there is more. And then he picks up in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 24, and he says, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdoms, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers or strange places. And all of these are just the beginning of sorrows. This is just the start. This is, it's the beginning. When you see these things, know that, that the time is at hand. The coming of the Lord is, is soon. Then he says, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. This is the affliction of the people of God. And they shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That that's, starts being frightening when we start reading some of these things. And then shall many be offended, it says, and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. This is this uh, another another translation talks about uh, it being brother against brother and sister against sister and people who have been together being apart and separating themselves from one another. Many false prophets, the Lord says once again, he has already just said, many are going to come in my name and many are going to be deceived. Now he turns around and he said, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. He reiterates there's always a power in the reasoning for Jesus not just saying one time when he says Jerusalem, Jerusalem, when he tells something to the disciples and he repeats the same thing over and again. He is reiterating the power and the the, the uh, accuracy of what he is saying. He is saying it is more than just in word but also in deed. It is more than just in the physical but also in in the spiritual. And he goes on to say, Many prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound. And that word iniquity, of course, is speaking of extreme corruption, the deepest of sin, the most vile. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, he goes on to say. But what I want to focus on today is not what the end time is going to look like. I don't want to minimize the fact that the Bible gives us some insight into the end time. And perhaps some of you would enjoy a study of the end time and what the end of the world is going to look like. Maybe maybe uh, that would be a study for another time. But today, I don't want to focus on what the end of the world is going to look like, but rather I want to focus on uh, today on uh, what the Lord is telling his disciples. He says, yes, these end times are going to come. These last days are going to come to pass. This is extremely real. This is, this is uh, very true. This is, this is what you should expect. But in the middle of that, he 
pauses and looks them in the eye, those 12 that sat very close to him. And if I could have been there, they would have been having to look over my shoulder because I would have been interested in what it was that Jesus was going to say. And I feel he would have looked me into the eye that day before he ever looked at any of the other 12 disciples. And he said, see that you be not troubled. You're asking me questions about what the end time is going to look like and what the end of the world is going to look like. But before I go on to even tell you how things could look in the end of the world, see that you be not troubled. Jesus is saying, yes, there will be wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, famines, pestilence, disease, earthquakes in divers places. But don't be troubled in the middle of all of this. There is no need to worry or to be distressed or to live disturbed. We would like to think that if we could live in a world where there is no trouble and no difficulties, no conflicts, no adverse situations and circumstances, no, nothing to worry about, no sickness, no pain, no death, then maybe we'd never experience the trials and the sorrow of life. But unfortunately for you and I, because of the sin in the garden, we live in a fallen and broken, sin-sick world. And it often seems like as soon as we get through one thing, something else comes along. Problems happen. Bad stuff happens to invade our lives. And at times we even struggle to find peace in the middle of all of it. And one little thing can appear in society and it absolutely send the world into chaos and, and, and into a tizzy. And if we're not careful, it can get into our hearts and into our minds. And we start fearing instead of living in faith. That's why the Bible over and again, for every time the Bible gives us a word of fear, he turns around and gives us a word of faith. He tells us that faith should always triumph over fear. Jesus says in John chapter 14, my peace, I live with you. He didn't say my frustration. He didn't say my pain. He didn't say my grief. He didn't say my sorrow. He didn't say all the things he went through in the last few days of his life before he made it up to Calvary's hill and died on an old rugged tree. But instead, he said, my peace is what I'm going to leave you. My peace I leave, not as the world giveth. Let not your heart be troubled, he goes on to say. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Then he says these things in John chapter 16, two chapters later. He says, these things I spoken unto you that you might have peace in this world. Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. How is it that we can be of good cheer? Because Jesus said, because I overcame the world. The reason that we become dismayed is because we know we can't overcome the world without him. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The words of Jesus to us, he says, have peace. Take heart. Don't be troubled. Neither be afraid. Whatever circumstances you're facing right now, your heart doesn't have to be afraid. His peace is available to every one of us. When Paul wrote to the church, he told them God's peace passes all understanding. 
That means the finite mind of humanity cannot even begin to perceive all of the things in which the Lord has, is doing for us. It passes our understanding. It means that God's ways are incomprehensible to man's ideologies. Our ways are so far beneath his ways. He is so far in advance and so far in front of us that sometimes we have to stop and realize it's not making sense to me and it will never make sense to this world because God's ways are not my, are not his ways are, are not our ways and our ways are not God's ways but we know by faith that all things work together to the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose that tells me rest assured child of God if you're the called according to his purpose and you're living up right and righteous before him put your confidence in him everything's going to be alright everything's going to be alright it's not going to overtake you. Everything's going to be all right. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah wrote, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne. He said, I, I saw it. Sitting upon the throne. High and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The year that King Uzziah died was a year of loss and pain and heartache and anxiety and panic and fear for all of the people in that day and yet right in the middle of all of the heartache and the pain and the questions and the unanswered things here Uzziah dies and yet in the year that King Uzziah dies Isaiah said that's when I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Ladies and gentlemen this is the day that we need to lift up our eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord. We need to lift up our eyes from the troubles around us. We need to see the Lord high and lifted up. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. It doesn't matter what the government is saying. I'm telling you what matters. It's what thus saith the word of God. And he tells us don't live in fear. Walk by faith and not by sight. Rather than being like the world, whose hearts are failing for fear, we need to look straight into the eye of the storm and say, I choose faith over fear. I'm not telling you to be silly about the way you go about things in the world. None of us truly know what we really should do or what our reactions are. There's a lot of specialists on social media that has the answers to all of society. But I come this morning to tell you I don't have a clue what the future is going to look like for the world. But I do have an idea of what the future is going to look like for the people of God. I've read the back of the book and we win. Either way we win. Be steadfast. Be stable. Be sure. Keep serving God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The world's hearts are failing with fear. We need to look the storm in the eye and say, I choose faith over fear. 
David said in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? One in every five things he said was urging his followers to refuse fear and to not be afraid, to have courage, to take heart, to be of good cheer. It was Jesus Christ's most common command, fear not. This is serious business with Jesus. Because that one statement he made more than any other was to be not afraid. He didn't say don't take caution. He didn't say don't be careful. But he said don't fear. Don't be fearful for anything. Don't let fear control you. He didn't say don't try to be afraid. He gave a clear commandment. Be not afraid. This is not optional. I have not given you the spirit of fear. If you're afraid of something, that fear is not of God because God hates fear. He did not give us the spirit of fear. Fear affects the kingdom of God because it causes us to cease entrusting God for our daily bread. That means the day-to-day substance that we need to survive. We Fear will cause us to stop trusting God. It starts causing us to look to fleshly means to be able to make it in life. Fear hits us, we stop giving financially. Fear hits us, we stop living spiritually. Fear hits us, we stop connecting emotionally. Fear stops us from sacrificing. Fear stops us from committing ourselves. And that, my friend, is the way that fear can stop revival in the church. The church becomes afraid, and when the church becomes afraid, we will never fulfill our purpose. Can I speak to the saved church that is in this room this morning and tell you if there has ever been a time that the light of God needs to shine in us. We need to be compassionate, filled with love, speak words of faith, not fall into the trap of fear and start walking by faith and not by sight. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. Unmistakably, we're taught in the Bible again and again and again in both Testaments, the just shall live by faith. Why is that? Because fear undermines faith. Fear sabotages faith. Fear smothers faith. Fear destroys faith. All fear comes from Satan. Fear is not of God. God will not dwell in the same house as fear. But the Bible said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty, there is freedom. The scripture teaches if you will resist the devil, let's give them a great big hand clap, would you? If you resist the devil, he'll he'll flee from you. That's what the Bible says. If you resist the devil, he will Flee from you. Now ask yourself this question. Why am I afraid of a spirit that will run from the idea of a little resistance? Why am I afraid of something 
that the Bible says will run from me if I'll just stand up for myself. Why am I afraid of fear? Why am I afraid of the enemy? Why am I afraid of the devil? Because the Bible tells me resist the devil, he'll flee. He won't hang around when you start resisting. How do you resist? The scripture gives us the antidote. It tells us exactly how. By being steadfast in the faith. See that faith word? But being steadfast in the faith. But not being troubled about everything that comes along. But not getting overwhelmed by it. Of course there's moments we all have questions, but we cannot let it consume us. We cannot live in it. We can't get bogged down in it. We've got to get up over it and get out of it and resist the devil. You know what you did this morning when you got up, got your shower, got dressed and came to the house of the Lord? You looked the devil in the face and resisted him. That's what you did when you walked in the house today. You walked in here resisting the devil. That's why I don't sense any presence of an evil spirit in this room today because you resisted him. And when you resisted him, he will flee from you but I sense the presence of the Lord in this house today and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom there is liberty there ought to be worship in this house freely today because God is here here's John's thoughts about the subject of fear he said, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. God didn't say don't be concerned. He said don't be troubled. He didn't say don't be cautious. He said don't be fearful. He said he won't let you into heaven with fear and unbelief. That's how strong he is regarding fear. He wants us to understand that he is bigger than fear. He's greater than fear. He's more powerful than anything that this world can do unto you. So if we can eradicate fear in our life and replace it with faith, I have a feeling that we're going to start walking in a dimension that we have never walked before. After Jesus does all these miracles, he turns and looks at those that are there, and he said, greater works than these shall you do in my name. You shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. He goes on to talk about taking up serpents. I don't have any here. Don't plan on bringing any here. If anybody's going to get involved serpents in their worship, go on somewhere else. We're not going to do that here. But I'm telling you the principle that is being taught here. He's saying there is nothing that is going to harm you. There is nothing that is going to afflict you when you walk by faith. He didn't say trouble wouldn't come. Of course trouble comes but he says keep walking by faith. Keep doing what is right. Keep, doing by, keep walking by faith. Don't let fear hinder you. I heard someone say as our awe of God grows our fear will diminish. 
No wonder the psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? He said, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. I'm trying to get through to somebody in this place today. To be afraid is the absence of faith in God and His ability and desire to keep us and to help us. That, my friend, is the way fear stops revival in the church and grows in your personal life because you are the church it is not a building and if you as the church do not stand strong in faith on the word of God and say if I'll do his will and keep his commandments he's going to walk with me through the worst days of life if the church gets fearful it stops living by faith And we will never be able to fulfill our purpose unless we are walking by faith. Unmistakably, we're taught in the Bible again and again in both Testaments, the just shall live by faith. Fear undermines faith. Fear sabotages faith. Fear smothers faith. Fear destroys faith. And the Lord said, don't be troubled. Say it with me. Don't be troubled. Come on, say it like you mean it. Don't be troubled. I want you to say it until you really get into your spirit this morning. Say it again. Don't be troubled. Why don't somebody shout, I won't be troubled. Come on, speak it out loud. I won't be troubled trouble. I will not be troubled. I refuse to be troubled. I refuse to live in fear. I speak faith. I speak life. I speak overcoming power. I speak the blood of Jesus. I speak hope. I speak resurrection. I won't be troubled. I believe I'm in the Word this morning when I say you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry of a Father and the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If our lives are characterized by fear, then we know that this did not come from God. If I'm fearful of sickness, fearful of economic collapse, fearful of losing my family, fearful of losing my friends, fearful to walk outside, fearful I'm going to have a car accident, fearful everything's going to happen to my family, fearful the church is going to fall apart, fearful I won't have a job tomorrow. What kind of faith is there in living that kind of life? Stop being troubled by all of these things that you have no control over. God's in charge of the future. Come on, somebody. Start walking by faith and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I have breath today. I'll worship. I'll praise. God is greater than anything that can come into my life. This is what you must remember when all the world is coming against you. God said he wants us to live not fearful but be strong in the Lord. 
The apostle says, finally, brethren. And that mean that word finally says at the end of it all. When you've done everything else at the end, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, somebody. God is greater than your fear. God's greater than your mess. God's greater than societal problems. The psalmist said, I will not fear, for thou art with me. And God stuck a dagger deep into the heart of unfounded fears when he said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, he's saying, what are you afraid of? I'll feed you in the face of your adversary and there isn't anything the adversary can do unto you. Not for the fearful, but for the faithful. He said, I'll feed you right in the middle of your adversary saying, I don't understand it. I don't see why it's not happening to them. I don't see why all the rest of the world is in chaos. But the church seems to be standing strong in faith because we have a promise that we're standing on. In other words, what you are afraid of, the Lord is saying, I'm not afraid of what the world is screaming about. I am in charge of. When Isaiah wrote those exciting promises of a time when he said the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf would be unstopped and the lame man would leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb would sing. Then he spoke of some other issues too. And listen to what he said. Strengthen the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. Same chapter. Say to them that are of a fearful heart. Be strong and fear not. And then he tells us the reason why that he could promise us the protection from the ills and evils of this world around us. The very next line tells us, For an highway shall be there, and a way shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean are not going to pass over it, and no lion shall be there. In other words, he's saying the devil will not be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go there upon. It shall not be even found there. Meaning they can, no ravenous beast will even be on that road that you and I are going to walk on, but the redeemed of the Lord shall walk therein. Oh, that's a promise for the people of God. He said, I'm going to tell you that you can walk through life unafraid. I'm going to tell you why that you don't need to be fearful. He said, because there is a, there is a path that the lion can't get up onto it, and there is a path that ravenous, ravenous beast cannot even climb up onto it. There is a place of safety for the redeemed of the Lord. He said, keep walking by faith and not by sight, because the ravenous beast can't get there, and the lions can't get there. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in Him will I trust. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for Thou, O Lord, shall be a shelter unto me.
He will deliver thee from the noise, from the snare of the fowler, and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be a shield and a buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the air that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor the destruction that raceth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is the most high, even my refuge and my habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh unto thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all of thy ways. They shall bear thee up in the arms lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the otter and the dragon and shalt trample underfoot. Somebody ought to get on your feet this morning. And you ought to take about the next 30 seconds to put your hands together. And lift your heart toward heaven. And lift your voice toward heaven. And begin to magnify the Lord. Not because I'm asking you to, but because his word says you don't have to live in trouble. You don't have to live in fear. You are a just person. You shall walk by faith. See that you be not troubled. Fear is not the will of God for your life. We can't live in fear and operate in an element of faith. We must drive out fear with faith. Now I want to take you one step further than the realm of faith. And that is the realm of trust. I've talked to you about this about three times and I'm waiting for it to settle into somebody's spirit to where we get this. Well, we're walking by faith. Wonderful. The just shall walk by faith. But when you move from the arena of faith into the arena of trust, it means you stop fretting and worrying over the fact that you're walking by faith. I'm walking by by faith, but I've just got fear that just keeps nagging at me. When you move into the arena of trust, you start walking in a whole new new realm. It's a step beyond faith. Trust. Trust is the level of faith that says, when I can't find my way and I've done everything that I know to do to stand, I'm going to keep standing. You won't find me sitting down. And when the GPS coordinates of life are spinning and the computer screen says searching, 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 but you know you're on the path that God puts you on. You just keep on walking by faith because the things of this world can't keep up with where God is wanting to take you to. It can't keep up with what God is wanting to do in your life. 
We've got to learn to trust the level of faith that says, when I can't find my way and I've done everything I know to do, I'll just keep standing. Trust says when it's easier to panic, I'll walk with calm assurance and know that God is with me. When I'm in the midst of hell on earth, and the pain of emotional and spiritual loss tries to take me to a place where I can hear the voice of fear speak that I'm not going to make it. When I've diminished faith to the point that I am walking out of obligation rather than walking in trust. I'm walking on a ground where the promises of God no longer are for me. But when I step into that dimension beyond faith, into the dimension of trust, I talked about it last week. At the close of the service, it's when you start walking into territories that you're not even sure where you are but the Lord says whatever you walk through that that I'm going to give you lift up your eyes and look and everything that you can see belongs to you but you've got to do the walking I won't do the walking for you the Lord says you've got to do the walking I'll I'll take care of everything else I'll I'll deliver you from all of the pestilence and all of the things around you but you've got to walk by faith I don't know what the journey's going to look like But the Word of God tells me how it's going to end. I choose to trust God no matter what the report looks like. I don't care what the doctor says. I'm going to keep trusting God. I don't care how dark it is. I will hold on to trust. I'm looking around the room for Dylan. He's on the base this morning. Three years ago, After all sorts of misdiagnosis, when they finally came down and said the reports are in and this is what he has, the doctor came in. And he said this can be bleak because treatment can be very difficult for this specific thing. People are all frightened about what's going on in society. Dylan is a testimony sitting on the platform that according to the research and what they know today and the research in which they've done on E. coli's chicotoxin, that the disease that Dylan had is five times more likely to take somebody's life than the pandemic that is happening around the world. And there were days of darkness and days that you've heard the story of closed curtains and worry and fear and doubt. But the day that trust broke through And the light of God began to shine into that room. And he stood from where he was on nothing more than a word of get up from where you are. We're not accepting this. We're going forward in faith. I believe that was the moment that the healing balm moved into that room and everything began to change. 
I want to tell somebody today, no matter what it is that the devil wants to taunt you with in your life, whether it's your past, whether it's your family, whether it's your finances, whether it's your health, you need to look the devil in the eye this morning and say, I'm tired of it. I'm going to keep walking my faith. You showed the devil. You resisted him this morning, and he fled from you, and you walked in this place. We ought to leave this place today with lifted hands. We ought to leave this place today by a response to this word and declaring, I'm a just man and I'll live by faith. I will not live by fear. I won't live troubled every day. Don't be troubled. I will not be drowned. My God will make a way. So high Oh, come on, lift your hands and say, when I walk through the fire. For the child declaring I feel led of the Holy Ghost to do this this morning. If you don't feel to participate, I completely understand. But if there is anybody in this house today that needs prayer, we are a church that believes in divine healing. It doesn't matter what situation you're dealing with. I feel led of the Lord today to take the anointing oil that is in this house and to lay hands on anybody in this room that has sickness. And we're going to leave here today with a testimony of somebody being touched by the divine power of God. There is healing in the room. If you want, if you request this morning and you want to come right here to the front, right in front of this podium, I feel led of the Lord to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. And the church is going to pray the prayer of faith this morning and God is going to send an answer. That's it. Respond right here to the front. We're going to pray. I want my ministers that's willing to help to step forward this morning. We're going to lay hands on these that step forward today. God is in the room. Everybody in the house lifted hands all over the room. Nothing but faith. Nothing but faith this morning. We're going to begin to pray. Nothing but faith today in the house. They're going to sing. We're going to rejoice because God is a healer. Right now. Yes. Always be 
Oh, come on, somebody pray with faith today. Somebody pray with faith. Yes. is a healer. Our God is a healer. Faith triumphs over fear. Always 